Well, it was a few years ago, my wife and I were planning a trip to the West Coast, and our flight was early, I believe it was 6.30, and so we knew we wanted to get down to the airport pretty early. And I said, on the way out, why don't I just stop in Dunkin' Donuts and get a cup of coffee on our way out of town, and we live right here in Denver, and, and she said, oh, that would be fine. And I got into Dunkin' Donuts, it's just like, you know, as fast as they move during the day, that's how slow they move at night. You know, I was like, can I get you a cup of coffee, you know, so that took about 10 minutes just to get a cup of coffee. There's nobody else in the place at that point in time, and that was kind of an omen of things to come. We got to the airport, parked our car, went in there to get our, our tickets. We could not get our tickets to work at the, at the kiosk. That was odd. Why couldn't we get our tickets from the kiosk? So we go up to the line and get in the line, get up there, and they look at our tickets. They say, I'm sorry, you're in the wrong terminal. Like, the wrong terminal, and I won't tell you who got us to the wrong terminal, but I just took someone's word of what airline we were flying on. But we were in the wrong terminal. So I said, you better get your running shoes on. And we took off. I threw the bags on my back. We took off and ran outside of Philadelphia Airport to the next terminal. Finally got into the next terminal. And as we got in the next terminal, we made our way into security kit check, and they told us we didn't have the right boarding pass. So then we went down, and by now we've missed our flights. And so now we're in the customer service line. We go through the customer service line. Fortunately, we got a new flight a half hour later with no upcharge, which was kind of remarkable. And so we made it through security. And as we made it through security, I had grabbed a bag that was my son's bag to go to the airport to load my luggage and my gear in. And my son has a lot of knives. And um, he has knives everywhere, and yes, what was in his bag? A couple of knives and a multi-tool that ended up staying in the Philadelphia airport. So I finally made it on the plane. I'm covered and dripping in sweat. This is the middle of the summer. I'm completely exhausted and worn out. We made it to San Francisco, but because of the delay earlier, I missed an opportunity to go see my favorite team, the Baltimore Orioles, playing in Oakland, which I never had an opportunity to go and see. So that opportunity went by the wayside. So we went to rent a car, and as we went to rent a car, I couldn't find my license that I must have laid down when they took my bag and tried to get the knives out of there somewhere in the Philadelphia airport. So I said, just rent it to my wife. And they said, how about we upgrade you to a Mercedes for 10 more dollars? And I said, are you kidding me? I said, she's like, should we do it? I'm like, why wouldn't we do it, you know? <laughs> so my wife proceeded to make it safely to our destination, only causing my heart to skip a few beats as she discovered that the acceleration in Mercedes is much faster than acceleration in a minivan. <laughs> Life has a way of doing that to us. Where's that picture of my wife with the Mercedes? So, so you guys, there it is, there it is. So you believe that I had to put that picture up there so you believe that it actually happened, you know? Life has a way of doing that to us, doesn't it? When we pull one thread, it slowly starts to just kind of untangle, and it just kind of gets worse and worse and worse, and we're just wondering, when is that going to ever end? When is it going to ever end? And it just keeps going and going and going. You know, relationships are like that, aren't you? Aren't they? You know, you have a relationship that ends, and you're like, oh, the relationship ends, and then, oh, we got to tell people it ends, and then we have to, got to tell my friends, she's got to tell her friends, and what about the our friends? Oh, are we going to flip who, who gets the our friends, you know? And, and then you got to tell family members. Happens with finances too, doesn't it? You miss a payment. Well, now you got late charges. And where are you going to come up with the money for the late charge? You've got to take that from somewhere else. And if you don't have the money for that, then you've got to rob Peter to pay Paul, and it just keeps going on and on and on. How about having just a few of those chips? You want to just, just a few chips, right? But you need a little sauce to add to the chips. And then, well, there's a little bit of shredded cheese. It's already shredded. Might as well just microwave a little bit of that shredded cheese. And, oh, there's a little bit of meat in there. Add a little meat and a little guacamole, and it just keeps going on 
and on. It happens with our choices, right? Make one bad choice, leads to another one, another one, another one. And without realizing it, our life is unraveled and a habit is controlling our lives. For many people, they long for Christmas to be what? The most wonderful time of the year, right? We all long for that. We all long for that. No one wants arguments. No one wants a rainy day. No one wants leaky pipes. No one wants food cold. No one wants a present that they didn't hope, that they didn't really want. You know, what do we want? We want everybody to get along, right? We want there to be lots of joy at the family gathering. We want the food to be delicious. We'd love to have just a little bit of snow falling outside, right? And of course, the gift you hoped to receive. Let me ask you this morning, how many of you in the room are planners? You like to plan things. Let me see your hands. Be honest, you're in church, okay? How many of you like to plan, okay? How many of you make plans in case your plans don't work out? Let me see you. Okay, there's a few of you that are honest here, you know. Um, And the rest of you, you just hate to plan. You just hate to plan. How many of you shopped the last two days because you hate to plan? I'm up there with you. You know, I got mine in the last two days, you know. But the truth is, even if you're not a planner, you hope and you just believe without any effort that things are just going to go well just gonna go well but the challenge for us to ask ourselves is what do you do when your perfect plans unravel what do you do when your perfect plans unravel the plans for your life the plans for your relationship the plans for your finances the plans for your career the plans for your kids for your family for tomorrow and they just don't go the way you hoped they would go Well, tonight I want you to ask, this afternoon I want you to ask this question, what do I do when my perfect plans unravel? What do I do? And I want to suggest three things that you might consider doing, or there might be reasons why your plans are unraveled. The first is that maybe God is trying to get your attention. Maybe God is trying to get your attention. One person said this, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. And pain is God's megaphone. Pain is God's way of saying, is anybody home? Anyone listening? Are you paying attention? God had a plan for Mary and Joseph. He had to get their attention. He had to send an angel to get their attention for both of them, for them to realize that there was another plan that he had to have. Sounds easy, but we are incredibly distracted people. Incredibly distracted. I was watching yesterday how many people were trying to turn make a turn with the opposite hand on their steering wheel while they were talking on the cell phone and I was trying to avoid them, staying very far away from them. And because what? They're distracted, right? They're distracted. It sounds so easy, but our pace of life doesn't allow God to get through to us. I hear people say all the time, I would love to just hear from God. Love to hear from God. And I think to myself, I don't think that's God's issue. I think that might be your issue. God says if you slow down, if you put all other distractions aside, you'll be able to hear from me by just being present with me. David in the Psalms said this. He says, be still and know that I am God. When was the last time you were just still and it was silent and you weren't asleep? When was the last time? Doesn't happen very often, does it? It just doesn't. 
The most famous verses in the Old Testament speak about this, that, that all the Israelites, this is one of the first verses as a little Jewish boy or girl that you would learn, and it was this, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Hear, listen, listen. I want you to pay attention. I want you to be attentive to what matters most to God. You know what happens when we stop and listen to God? There's three things that happen when we stop and listen to God. The first thing that happens is we gain perspective because God has a bigger view of things than we do. Um, one of the things I love about using Google Maps is somehow magically they know where traffic is. You know, There's that little red line. Okay, whatever. So I don't know who knows where to put the red line or how they put the red line, but somehow there's a red line that's up there in the traffic and I'm going to find another route to avoid it. And so we gain perspective. The second thing that happens when we listen to God is we're able to rest because someone's in charge instead of you. Someone's in charge instead of you. I had a good friend say to me this week, John, you need to stop trying to fix it and just be with them. Stop trying to fix them and just be with them. And the third thing that happens is you see other options. You see other options. You know, when you don't have time, you, don't, you have to do what's right there in the moment, right? You're down to the last shopping day. You know, you can't find that gift. You, don't, you, you can't go to look at other stores. You've got to get it right there, right? There's no other options. And so when was the last time you stopped and listened to God? Because God, in the midst of life unraveling, might be trying to get your attention. And maybe if that's your story and that's where you are this morning or this afternoon, I want to encourage you to do something. I want to encourage you when you leave here sometime today, this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow morning, Find a CD or go to your playlist. Find your favorite Christmas song. I want you to sit quietly and listen to the words. And then just sit in silence for about 30 to 60 seconds. Just quiet. Just quiet. And I think there's a good chance that in the silence of your heart and of your soul that God might reach out to you. The second thing I'd like you to consider when your plans start to unravel is that maybe God has a new sweater for you. Maybe God has a new sweater for you. Some of you are looking, what's that sweater John has on there? You know, It's a little weird looking, you know? Well, this month in our series here at church, we've been doing a series called the Ugly Sweater Contest, and this didn't win, so we had some winners last week. Um, but sometimes God says, I've got a different sweater for you. I've got something a little nicer, a little better. Maybe you should consider the sweater I have for you to put on. Some of you after Christmas are going to go through your closet or maybe your spouse will go through your closet and say, you got a new one of these, get rid of that one. You're like, no, don't, I can't get rid of that one. It just got it so it's comfortable, you know. It kind of fits all in the right spots and, but it's got holes and it's torn and you're like, no, don't throw that one out, you know. But sometimes God says, we need to throw some of these things out. And when life starts unraveling, there is a good possibility that God has a different plan for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for you to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I want to ask you this morning, this afternoon, this question, but how many of you have considered what God's plan might be for your life? God says He's got one. And He's got a, probably a better one than you and I can come up with. I don't have any idea what's going to happen in 2017. I don't have any idea what's going to happen with your health, with your job, with your family, 
with the new administration in our government, with security issues that we hear about daily in our nation. Mary and Joseph had plans, didn't they? They were planning to get married. That was their plan. They were probably planning to have a few kids and, and settle down in the, round, in the area of Galilee, but God had different plans. God had different plans for them. God had plans for the birth of His Son who would offer salvation to this entire world. To enter this plan would take a step of faith for them and a step away from fear. You know, there's this phrase that is used over and over in the Bible. It says, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. The older versions of the Bible would say, fear not, fear not, fear not. And God had to keep saying this over and over again because as people, our hearts get filled with fear and anxiety when our plans don't go our way and we're not sure what to do and not sure where to turn, fear grips our hearts. Fear keeps things small and manageable. Fear keeps things secluded and hidden. Fear causes us to live in a small way of life and the evil one wants us to live in fear. But God, on the other hand, says, I have plans for you, but these plans won't always be easy. I mean, think about the plans that God had for Mary. He took a woman who was expecting to get married and said, you're now going to have a child out of wedlock and live with four to five months of criticism and gossip. You see, pregnancy in that day was viewed with skepticism. And as she was getting closer to her due date, Joshua, Joseph says to her, now we're going to take a 70-mile hike. That's one way to get that baby moving. Um, and when she arrived far away from home, from her mother from likely her sisters, maybe her aunts who would have walked through that experience with her. She's by herself in a stable, no less. Talk about fear. Talk about fear. And God knew fear was in their hearts. And so God had to say this to Mary. In Luke chapter 1, the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for God's pleased with you. He said it to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. He said, um, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary. Because this child is coming from the Holy Spirit. And then he said it to the angels. When he spoke to the angels, he said to them, the angel said, don't be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy. So what does it take to get rid of fear? How does fear go away? You know, it's not uncommon for people to come and sit in my office, and I can tell they're afraid. So how do you know they're afraid? Well, they're wringing their hands like this, you know. Their eyes are fluttering like their hands are shaking. And when I offer them assurance that it's safe to tell me what's on their mind, their fear begins to dissipate. Why? Because even though they might not really know me, they believe that I'm safe and that they can trust me. They put some faith in my words. And John, Jesus, his disciples said this, he says, perfect love casts out fear. The only one who can offer this kind of love is God. When I decide to trade my fear for faith in God, my plans for His plans, my fear slowly fades away. You see, God wants to bring your unraveling sweater, your unraveling plans to Him, and He says, if you bring your plans and your sweater to Him, I'm going to give you something very, very new. I'm going to trade this if you're willing to trade it passage we looked at last week, Isaiah 61, really says it well. This is the prophet Isaiah speaking of a time in the land of Israel when he says, I'm going to trade a crown of beauty for the ashes that they would put on their heads when they were weeping, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise 
instead of a spirit of just despair. That's what God offers to you to trade something new. The third thing He wants you to consider if life is unraveling is consider God is simply saying, trust me. Trust me. He said this to Mary, to Joseph, to the shepherds, to the wise men. To Mary, he said, you're going to get pregnant before you get married, and it's not, because of your, not by your husband Joseph. Imagine what went through her heart. What's that mean? Am I going to lose him? Is he going to die? Am I going to get raped? And then he says, it's going to be a miracle. And the baby is going to be the Son of God. He says to Joseph, don't end the marriage. Don't end it. Don't shame your wife. Take her and cover her and protect her even though no one will understand or likely believe what you have to say. He said to the shepherds, get up in the middle of the night while your sheep are already bedded down and go find someone who is going to save the world. He says to the wise men, travel hundreds of miles following a star, risking your life by ignoring the king's words and find a savior. God said to Mary, will you trust me? She said, yes. God said to Joseph, will you trust me? And he said, yes. God said to the shepherds, will you trust me? And they said, yes. God said to the wise men, will you trust me? And they said, yes. And when plans unravel, God says, will you trust me? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, trust in God with your whole heart. And don't keep leaning on your own ways. In everything you do, turn it over to God and He will give direction to your path. I want you to listen to the story of a young lady who shares her story of wrestling through this in her life. My husband Andrew and I got married in October of 2012. I'm a very organized person and I jokingly call myself an obsessive planner. We even have a calendar in our kitchen. It's color-coded with everyone's schedule on it. When we first got married, we had discussed how we would like to take about five years and just enjoy being newlyweds and travel a whole bunch before we would ever think about starting a family. Early in our marriage, I had the opportunity to take a position doing what I would consider my dream job. At the end of that year, there were several open positions that I had the privilege of interviewing for. We thought I had a good shot at getting one of these positions just due to the great reviews and rapport that I had accumulated over my time filling in. It wasn't long before I found out that I did not get any of the positions and I was completely and utterly devastated and that may just be an understatement. I couldn't understand how the pieces that I felt like God put together so quickly fell apart just as fast. Shortly after I found out this news, I was praying to God What's next in my life? I felt like I was at a crossroads and didn't know where to turn. One night I was laying there and I felt like God said to me, it's time. I had no idea what it was time for, but I told Andrew about it and it started us on a journey of praying through this phrase, it's time. After some time of prayer and seeking some counsel from other people in our lives, 
we really were confident that God was telling us it's time to start a family, which was not exactly what our five-year plan said, considering this was only two years into our marriage. Through conversations of what it would look like for us to start a family, we quickly learned that each other had a huge heart for adoption, and we really felt this was the direction that the Lord was taking us. So we started to take classes at Bethany Christian Services in at Lancaster. During these classes, we learned about all different types of adoption, and one of them was fostering to adopt. Now, I had my heart set on just adopting domestically. However, when Andrew heard this, he really felt like this could be exactly what we were supposed to do. I, on the other hand, wasn't so sure. My plan was to adopt domestically. After much prayer, Andrew was 100% confident that this is exactly what the Lord had us to do. We needed to foster to adopt. I was willing to admit that I was 100% scared, I, that wasn't what I wanted to do, and there's no way I was even letting the Lord speak to me through prayer. So I decided I needed to take a leap of faith and just follow what Andrew felt the Lord was telling our family. To make a long story short, we did become certified as a foster family, and I started to get really excited about God's plan for our lives. On October 7th, 2014, we received our very first phone call to take a child. We didn't know much about her, but all we knew was this was our daughter. For the next two months, we waited to hear when we could bring her home from the hospital. Now for a planner like myself, it was really hard to hear people say, we don't know when you can take her home and we don't know how she's doing. So we just continued to pray and finally, two months after that first phone call, we got to bring her home. When we brought our daughter home, I was sitting there holding her and it all hit me. If I would have gotten that dream job a year ago, there's no way I'd be sitting here holding our daughter in my arms. There's no way I would have even been able to hear God's voice telling us to start a family because I would have been so excited and wrapped up in that dream job. Also, if I would have listened to myself and went down the path of domestic adoption and really pushed for that, I also wouldn't be sitting here holding our daughter in my arms. We realized extremely quick that God has a special plan for us. It's an unconventional plan, one that we would have never chosen. God has ignited a passion for foster care inside of me that I never knew existed. God is continuing to take us on a journey of what ifs and uncertainty through fostering to adopt. This obsessive planner is learning a lot about giving up control to God because there's no way I can navigate through this calling without him because this is definitely not a plan that I would have ever chosen for myself. It's definitely his. As you listen to Nicole's story, you got a sense that um, life didn't quite go the way she expected it to go. And through a series of events, life felt like it was unraveling for her. And she had to get to the point in her journey, get to the point in her struggle and wrestling to say, am I willing to trust God? When life starts to unravel, Am I willing to trust God? It's a little bit like getting a Christmas gift. If I were to give you a gift and thanking me for that gift and taking that gift home, putting it under the tree, but then tomorrow deciding, I'm not sure we're going to open that gift. It looks so nice. I think we'll just leave it under the tree. You love the paper, the wrapping, how it all looks, and so you decide to put it away with your Christmas decorations. Next year comes around, you bring it out, you put it under the tree, but you never unwrap the gift. A lot of people do this over and over and over and over again every single year. They come to a Christmas Eve service, they take a gift, they sing songs, they listen to a message, they take it home, but they never open up the gift. 
celebrate the holiday year after year and never open up the gift. Now, what would you think about someone who was given a gift that looked like that and they took it home and they never opened up? You would really wonder why. Why didn't they open that gift up? Why didn't they open that gift up? Every person who's come here tonight, it's no accident. It's no accident. There's a reason you're here. Whether a girlfriend drug you here, a family member brought you here, you saw the signs, you thought it would be a nice thing to do. Everybody's here for a reason. We believe that God doesn't have any accidents, that He has a plan for every single one of our lives. And we know that for some people, life feels like it's really unraveling tonight. And you being here is no accident because you need to hear and be reminded that maybe God has used this to get your attention. Maybe He wants to give you something new. And He's inviting you to decide if you're going to trust Him. or not. Some of you are seekers, just like the wise men. Some of you have been asking questions and wondering about this God thing, about this faith thing, and, and how do I put this all together? And I just really don't quite know. And Maybe some of you have lost touch with Jesus. Oh, you knew about Him when you were a kid and, and your parents or grandparents brought you to church, but you just kind of drifted away. You kind of strayed away. And you're not even quite sure what brought you here tonight, but you're a little bit like a lost sheep coming back to a, the fold. And still others are here celebrating Jesus as your Savior. You know about Jesus and that He gives you life. You've traded fear for peace. You've chosen to follow Jesus with your whole heart and you're celebrating Jesus as the King of your heart and the ruler of your world. And so no matter where you are this Christmas Eve in your journey, we believe God's brought you here for a reason. And our hope and prayer is, no matter where your life is at, that you will recognize the gift that Jesus is offering to you tonight, and that's a relationship with Him forever. And so I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me, and I just want to close in a word of prayer with you, for you, no matter where you are on your personal journey. And if this is your story, I just would invite you to agree in your own heart and your own mind. God, my life has been unraveling, and tonight I've realized why it's been happening. You've been trying to get my attention for a very long time. You want to offer me something new to replace the mess in my life that it's become, and I didn't know it was you, but tonight I realize it. I admit that my attention has been on my plan and my ways and not yours. Tonight I want this to change. Thank you for sending Jesus to this earth to be my Savior. This Christmas season, I want to accept and receive your gift of salvation. I don't want to walk away and leave it unopened. I turn from my ways and I, start to follow, I want to start following you. I want to learn to love and trust you. Replace my confusion with peace. Replace my guilt with forgiveness. Replace my uncertainty about death with your gift of eternal life. 